Warning, we get super excited in this podcast. We may even drop a few S and F words. If you don't like to hear that thing, we're sorry, but not sorry. Maybe make sure no one is around that doesn't like those kind of words because I don't even know how many times we said them. Probably a lot. Enjoy. Training education skill development is absolutely crucial to my personal definition of, of what it means to be professional. I'm going to be respected for you know, who I am and the knowledge and skills and the way I make people feel as opposed to the way I uh, look. Welcome to the I Made a Thing, the podcast with Rachel and Sophia. This podcast is for business owners who don't believe in cheat sheets. And today we're talking all about what it means to be professional in small business and as a freelancer. So before we dive right in, Sophia, do you want to actually define for me what you mean when you say professionalism, particularly for small business owners? Yeah, this is a tricky one. We've done a heap of research on this and uh, I'm not sure we have the perfect answer. But again, it's the boring stuff. It's going to come back to what are your beliefs, ethics and values in business and how is that represented internally and externally for you? So it's things like thinking about how you're communicating, how you're showing up in the world, unfortunately also how you look. Uh, It's things like your training, your education, skill development. And uh, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. So how would you say you kind of visualize professionalism for small businesses because I know let's just tackle it straight away yeah. the way you look yeah like yeah. presentation because if I'm going to be honest that's the thing that I struggle with most and I know we're going to tackle a lot more but yeah what do you think in regards to how you look and showing up what does professionalism look like for you yeah so this has been a bit of a hard journey for me because I transitioned out of a very strict corporate environment so all the normal stuff, suits, uh, pressed white shirt, leather shoes, pants, skirt, dress skirt, suit skirt, or whatever they're called, um, Hot. makeup, you know, makeup done, potentially wearing heels or, you know, snazzy flats. Not very comfortable for working in. I remember always being very sweaty and uncomfortable <laughs> um, or very cold, one or the other. So not very practical attire, but it was very easy to see who I was and that I belonged to a profession of some sort. And we know from looking at the history of where suits come from, so things like um, class system in England, um, you know, the legal profession, right through to military and just the fashion industry wanting to sell more clothes, um, it's really started way back then and it's still present today. And we talked about how, you know, it's, I, I, you're able to identify a different class or a different profession based on the style of their suit or the color of their suit or the way they present themselves. You know, even today, I think you can probably pick an accountant from a lawyer based on how they dress sometimes. So, yeah, it's really interesting that that still exists in such a prominent way. But we also learned from our research about things like in Silicon Valley with, you know, Steve Jobs and the tech industry, uh, you know, they transitioned away from the suit because it wasn't. Uh, efficient (laughs) they wanted love it yeah they wanted to have everything as efficient as possible and they wanted to be able to wear the most comfortable and easy to wear uniform so they would wear the same sort of stuff every day so they didn't have to make decisions 
So then how does that translate now for someone who's a freelancer or a small business owner? I know we see a lot of memes and jokes that, you know, like matching tracksuits, you know, a bit messy, a bit of a slob at home. But then if you do actually have to get on that Skype call or you do have to go and meet a client, how do you show up in that space? Does it feel fake for you to then put on a suit? Is that what your clients are actually looking for? Is that professional for you? Uh, And that's what we're, I guess, going to get into more today. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I was never a suit wearer, ever. Like, I think I've owned a couple of suits my entire life and I've only worn them for the job interview. And, I mean, I actually got a really nice one made in Vietnam. It was all, like, tailored because I love doing that shit and it was really nice and that was probably the suit that I enjoyed the most but I still felt weird wearing it it's just it's really not me and again it might you know tie back into some of my own sort of beliefs around wanting to be respected for you know who I am and the knowledge and skills and the way I make people feel as opposed to the way I uh, look so for me like when I jump on a zoom chat with my clients I'm still wearing my matching tracksuit set and my hair's still in a bun. It's brushed and I've brushed my teeth, but I'm happy to wear that. No makeup and my clients really respect that. And even when I go to meetings, I'm still turning up in jeans and a t-shirt and sneakers. And yes, sometimes I do go to a bit more effort, but it's exactly the same as if I was going to a dinner or you know, to a friend's party or something. It's like jeans, boots, and a jumper you know I'll do have a tiny bit of makeup some nice jewelry that's just me like I feel like I'm kind of me and my business is me I don't really change to make my clients um, perceive me to be more professional or more presentable and in fact if my clients asked me to do that I would tell them no and probably choose not to work with them again because I, I see a lot of value more on how I am and I really don't think they should care how I look yeah, so this is this is getting into a bit more around. So we talked about uh, at the start of this podcast areas of professionalism, and one of them, of course, is your beliefs, ethics, and values. Or that's how we see it. That's Rachel and I how we see it. And uh, you know, Rachel's just talked about the fact that for her, she believes that jeans, top, shirt, casual hair, casual makeup is the best representation of her and therefore probably the most ethical representation of her and is fine because it's not distracting from her ideas. It's allowing her to be comfortable and do her job. So I think that's um, awesome. Yeah, Yeah. well, I used to, to be honest, if I share some stories, you know, growing up um, and of various jobs I had, I was often commented, I had comments around my looks. So I remember my first waitressing job, You know, I was so clumsy. If you know me, I'm pretty clumsy. And I used to like carry plates and like eight glasses in my hand, wine glasses the first time. I was like, nailed it. Got this job. I was so proud of myself because I wanted to, you know, to work at this really um, quite popular restaurant in Hobart. And then about three weeks later, the manager admitted he hired me because I looked pretty and he thought that the American customers would enjoy being served by me. And I just felt my stomach drop and I was so pissed that that's, that I was again being judged on my looks. Like I felt like, you know, I tried so hard. I've been practicing like, you know, days before with like wine glasses and everything. He didn't give a shit. Mm. He just looked at me and said, yeah, she's pretty. She's young. She seems perky or happy. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I think again, those kind of experiences um, definitely made me quite fierce in the presentation but also that's the one thing I've struggled with personally in my business is 
how to show up with other business owners and to business related events. So not my clients, they love me, you know, as I am. Thank you, clients. Um, but it's actually other women. And I often get a lot of comments from other women, some positive, but also I find when we, you know, going back to our, per, you know, popularity podcast, you can listen to that. Those kind of elements of not being in the club because I'm not willing to look like I'm a small business owner, like you said, Sophia, I don't look like I belong in a particular profession, I think, um, is what I struggle with. And I know a lot of my clients, my female clients struggle with that too. Yeah. So do you think there's a bit of a trend at the moment? I mean, I've seen this in photos of conventions and, you know, women dancing on stage in high heels, in short skirts, um, not all of them, but quite a few still, a lot of makeup on. Um, and we're not here to shame people for this, by the way, guys, we're just literally commenting on the fact that this is kind of what's out there. Um, and that's not comfortable for everyone and is not going to be professional for everyone and not going to align with their beliefs, their values. So, you know, do you ever feel pressure to change the way you look after you see some of this imagery or does it just piss you off? Ah, pisses me off. But I also have done a lot of research around women in business. And again, I know a lot of people have been talking about this and I have written some pieces on this around women in business is now a bit of a marketing lifestyle choice. And a lot of the industry is portraying um, you know, being really feminine, being really powerful. Um, you know, you could be in a great position if you are a business owner, you can finally get the freedom, the money, et cetera, you want. But actually statistics and research shows the opposite. A lot of women are underpaid. Um, you know, women of color in America are the fastest growing group choosing to freelance if we're looking at it as a profession and it's not because they want to it's because they have no other choice they aren't able to get normal employment to conform they aren't able to get full-time work stable um, work conditions flexibility to take care of their family and children and I think that's why it annoys me because there's a lot of representation as a profession and particularly women in business as being quite powerful and strong but I see you know those kind of representations is actually being incorrect. And then other women who don't conform are feeling like they're not as successful or can't participate. So for me, it makes me quite um, angry, to be Mm. honest. And yeah, like I said, research shows the exact opposite. Not all of us can afford to wear nice clothes, even go to these conventions and um, dance on stage. Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a touchy one because I don't want to shame anyone, but at the same time, it seems like you're right. There is, um, mark, you know, there is some marketing going on here that pro- doesn't have women's best interests at heart. It's that old sex sells vibe going on, that over-sexualization of women, which is totally not focusing on their beliefs and their value that they can bring. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm disappointed to see such emphasis on it. And, again, maybe this isn't the right podcast to talk about it, but I also get annoyed with, you know, the scrawly font and the pink elements being broadcast in women, women's branding when it's perhaps not actually uh, a true reflection of their beliefs and what, how they would like to see themselves uh, show up in the business world. So, yeah, there's some. I think there's some issues there around this profession to conform to what a professional woman, in inverted commas, looks like. And uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I think this is an awesome space to kind of break that down a bit more today and and work out what how you might be able to show up in the world in a way that is reflective of you, even if you're still figuring out who that might be. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we look then go from you as an individual and move to some of the the work that I do, which is uh, more visual and emotion um, way of describing who you are and your ethics, etc. So we look at branding um, on websites, the way that we talk to each other, the words that we use, etc. Again, that's um, we do it, and it should be we should be able to use certain words, you know, like girl and bitch and you know, slutty slut slut um, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, that for a lot of us is kind of fun, and we feel like we're a part of a group, and we can use that, and I think that's great. But we also have to remember every time we do that, we do exclude certain individuals, and we do. Um, put ourselves in uh, particular boxes. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is professionalism is also your business assets, both um, you know visual and copywriting and paying particular attention to what you choose to use and not necessarily having to do what everyone else is uh, doing out there. So if you want a website and it's like all black and you hate the color pink, yay, go for you. You know, like just do whatever you want that you don't have to conform. But yes, there are certain standards that I think everyone needs to meet um, in respect to their branding and their business assets. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. And on the same page, if you're a super feminine person and you love pink and you love scrolly font, go for it. But if that really isn't representative of who you are and to be honest, you're probably just trying to be a bit scammy and attract uh, clients that you feel that speaks to for maybe the wrong reasons, then I'm sorry, but that's not okay. And you need to have a good hard look at why you're doing that. Is that representative of how you're going to deliver value for your clients? Or is there some trickery, scammy stuff going on there? Um, Sorry, I just don't agree with it. And I think it's doing women in general a disservice. So yeah, maybe have 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 a think about that one. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if we, from my perspective, like the business assets you need, you do need a website eventually. You do need to have a presence on social media. You do need to have an official professional email account. You know, Rachel Loves Coffee 96 does not count as professional email. Um, You do, I think, need to have some kind of form of business card. I mean, some women will say that they're not using those at the moment, but I still find a lot of clients and a lot of people um, like to have that there. So you can consider those types of things when you um, first start out, I think are important. And also, um, you know, client onboarding systems, um, you know, email accounts, have, making sure if you provide any resources or e-books, um, courses that you're using, actual decent platforms to do that, that people can read them, engage with them if you know they're vision impaired or English as a second language. All of those things I personally think are just as important as the look and feel. So the visual branding, all of those behind the scenes are really important from a business perspective. What about you, Sophia? What do you recommend that business owners do? Yeah, so with this practical sort of stuff and documents, for me, again, it's starting and doing that groundwork around what is your brand and who are you and then going out from there. And so I was lucky enough to actually work with Rachel on some of this stuff to figure out what colours were representative of how I wanted my business to be in the world. Uh, And for me, uh, like a purple colour was um, not actually a colour that I was totally stoked on initially. Uh, It was almost getting a little bit girly for me. I'm not super girly, but it was the right colour for my brand and my message. So that's why I chose it. Um, And then for me, I wanted to have like 
bit of grayscale because I really wanted a professional message focused around my ideas rather than focused around the imagery. And that's kind of how it came about. And then I was able to translate that professionally across the board and across my brand. So whether it be my social media, whether it be my documents, um, making sure I was investing too in things like um, maybe a spell check program. If, you know, for me, I'm not the best speller in the world. I'm not the best at grammar. So that was a really wise investment for me and aligned with my beliefs, ethics and values. I obviously felt that having correct spelling and grammar was how I wanted to show up in a professional space and also represent my industry in a professional manner. So that's an awesome segue into, and I know you're very passionate about this, Rach, talking about it's not just about us at a personal level. It's not just about us as women. It's also about that greater good of our industry and how we're representing our industry. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, well, I guess... You know, as a practicing journalist and I work in public relations, you know, I'm teaching students these these skills that I, whenever I go to do anything, you know, I obviously think I don't want to be an arsehole to my clients. I don't want to do wrong by myself, my community. But then I actually feel like I have to have accountability to my profession. I really do believe in the work that I do. I believe in the power of journalism, power of marketing, And I don't want my clients in the community to feel like that profession or those professions aren't valued and aren't, you know, worth investing in, worth respecting. Because I think a lot of people recently, um, particularly around uh, journalism and marketing, can have some really bad connotations about what that is and do a lot of things which I would say you know, it might be good for them and it might be good for their clients in the short term. But as a profession, I really have um, strong kind of issues with so such things, you know, like pyramid schemes, um, telling women that they can make 100K if they follow a particular formula or system, you know, just because it's worked for me pretty much means it's not going to work for anyone else. So no one else is me. No one else has my background, my connections, my exact skill set, my exact thought process. Yes, uh, you can share your processes and some systems and templates, and I certainly do that. But that's what I have to actually tell all of my clients. Some of them do come thinking I am going to be a bit of a madman-style person, smoking cigars, <laughs> drinking whiskey, and I'm going to go off and come up with all these random ideas, one, without them, two, that are worth, like, billions, and three, that they can just pick up a few ideas or a few visuals and have, like, an entire marketing plan, entire system And unfortunately, a lot of my clients too have come to me and they've hired, you know, the supposed SEO expert who's not, Um, you know, the copywriter who did some writing um, at college and loved it and is halfway through their book, you know, 20 years later, calls themselves a writer. And to be honest, it's really just not up to any standard. And then we have to do a lot of work. And I also have to do a lot of work around getting them to value and trust my profession again. So I think... As professionals, I know we're all doing, you know, different industries, different services. Some of you might be selling products, but I think we actually have a responsibility to put the the profession and, you know, this idea of being a small business owner. In fact, I think it's more important than um, thinking about ourselves. Totally. It's easier, obviously, if you're in a regulated industry because you're going to have a set code of conduct. You're going to have probably laws and regulations that you need to follow. Like for me as an accountant, um, if you're a lawyer, it's, it's a lot easier to actually know how you need to behave and show up as a professional in that space. 
But that doesn't mean even as a creative that you can't have your own moral compass or your own ethical code that you develop yourself and follow yourself. And there's nothing to stop you sharing that with your clients, even in a public place. Like I've seen people do it on their website and say, look, this is what I expect of myself and my clients. And it's out there for the world to see. And then I think that's really lifting your profession up. Remember too, just because your profession isn't regulated now, doesn't mean that it won't be regulated in the future and we've seen that with other industries something i want to touch on not a lot but i do want to mention it is the whole business coach concept Um, we're going to talk more about finding the right experts and making sure they've got expertise etc but i just want to yeah i just want to throw that out to you rach what do you think about the whole craze of being a business coach and we both call ourselves business coaches in different times uh, at different times i should say so yeah thoughts I think you can call yourself a business coach if you, A, have actual credible training. So you've done a business coach course, but also one that's accredited and respected in the industry because there's lots of course, random courses you can do on the interwebs. I mean, you can do a copywriting course for 39 bucks and call yourself a copywriter, but would say no. But you need to have, yeah, that sort of background or I think – extensive experience and when I say extensive I don't mean two years to be honest I mean like five to seven years plus so I actually struggled with this personally when I was trying to decide if I should call myself a business coach for this reason I didn't want people to think like oh yes it's another business coach what would Rach know but then when I thought about it and applied those two kind of rules just then, I do actually have a business degree and I've had extensive experience working with different organizations all around the world. Running your own small businesses. Yep. Yeah, running my um, small business. And I mean, I, now that I teach it at university, business and PR and communications, I feel, I don't know, that for me, the icing on the cake, I'm like, a legit place is hiring me to talk about this stuff. Yeah. So it gave me a bit more credibility. But I think... The problem lies in a lot of things now that people can start a small business from their lounge room with a laptop after doing, you know, a $39 course that I think the business coach is a huge one because actually, if you don't know this and you might cry once you figure it out, that most people and most business owners make money through teaching others how to become what they are or what they do, not actually doing the thing themselves. So I make more money when I run my copywriting classes and teach than I do doing the actual service a lot of the time. So I think we're seeing a definite push and move because people are are wanting to have financial success in their business, which is not a bad thing. So I think we are starting to see more people take on titles um, and take on some of these professional attributes that normally would only have been awarded if someone if we go back to the definition of professionalism, had done some training or be part of some membership, some organization um, in that actual profession. Yeah, for sure. So we're talking your engineers, your mechanics, any, you know, it could be a trade still, it could be accountants, lawyers, uh, marketing, anything you can think of that has like a recognized profession. That's what we would, you know, normally have traditionally associated with that. And, you know, that word professional is now, changing and that's totally fine that's what happens with language changes but we just yet need to be cautious about okay who am I actually hiring Uh, and we'll talk more about that in a future podcast yeah so I mean I guess that leads on to like training education and skill development which is like a key part of being a professional 
have you done much training like since either becoming a business owner or how much do you value building up your own expertise yeah a lot I for me it's essential I find when I'm not doing continuous development I'm not very good at what I do so for me it's a daily thing it might be quite informal and then I also do quite formal regular training that is required by my professional body membership as a chartered accountant. So I'm, I'm having to do many, many hours every single year. Um, but then I do more informal stuff, which is, I guess, more related to my management consulting side of my business. But for me, I, I couldn't do what I do without continuously learning. I would just run out of fresh ideas. I would be uninspired. Um, and I love it. I love learning. So for me, that training, education, skill development is absolutely crucial to my personal definition of, of what it means to be professional. Right. What's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. Like I love learning and I'm curious about everything, as you know. So I'm always asking people questions, learning things, testing things out. I learn so much from my clients and my students, if I'm honest and, you know, borrow those ideas and put them back into my business, then put them back out you know, into the world. And I find that kind of continuous improvement, plus putting ideas out into the world, having them molded, questioning my beliefs and attitudes and skills around things, and then kind of taking that learning back on is the best way to be a professional. And that's what we did in the workplace if we were lucky. Like think about it. a lot of us had to do training or we were given training, you know, um, budget and we'd go out and spend it. We were learning from each other, sitting in the workplace, we were able to test ideas, you know, those kind of things. I think that can often be lost when we go into our own business, you know, one for money, time, energy, totally get that. But I feel like, you know, if it's been six months and you're kind of a bit tired, you know, no fresh ideas, you feel like you're just doing the routine that you haven't actually invested in yourself um, in a while, maybe it's time to try and factor some of that in in the next six months. Um, every time I do it, I feel so much more recharged. I find new clients. I build up my community networks. And like I said, it comes straight back uh, to me. And then, yeah, it's totally worth yeah. the investment. Well, I mean, we both did a business degree and I think we can both say that most of that information is fairly defunct. Yeah. Things are constantly training changing in business I think the key thing I actually got from my degree was uh, research skills so understanding how to find valid accurate information uh, might be you know the traditional idea of an academic with a journal article but it could could even be looking at a newspaper article and going okay what do I think about this how many other sources do I want to check how much emphasis or reliability do I think this merit does this have so it's not just picking something up off you know what trump loved to call fake news and saying yep gospel this is the way we should run the show i should be advising my clients on this so that's a key skill for us that's something i think you're paying for too when you engage a professional is their ability to research and pick out true and accurate information and interpret complex information that is a key one across many many industries and then be able to actually apply it to your unique situation that is a true skill that takes years and years of practice it also requires that decision making model and that risk uh, analysis model so yeah not easy and I think what you touched on there is that's what our clients are paying for so I think you know if we look at professionalism from communication clients community perspective when my clients hire me they do expect that I know what I'm doing and it's more than just like I did a degree like over 10 years ago now um you know I can say that I did this course I met this person 
you know, here's a case study of an organization that's similar to you that's done this work that I think we can draw upon. They expect that. They respect that I've taken the time um, to be informed, to learn, to share my knowledge. I think that's super important too for the work that we do. What do you think? Yeah, and how you were saying about how you try and test stuff. So we're not just out there saying, oh, well, I read this article, I must be right. You know, we've actually tested this stuff. We are also in the trenches with you because we are nuts and can't help starting new businesses all the time and testing and trying new things. So we are we are there doing it and we fail too so we understand what that looks like how that feels and i think that's part of a professional too i would argue is being able to admit when you maybe have come a cropper uh, and being prepared to face those consequences which yeah i mean it can be quite extreme sometimes so can you share an example of when you've done that and perhaps yeah. how you handled that on a communication perspective of your clients yeah definitely so uh you know if you're unwell and you're not going to be able to meet a deadline and it's a really important deadline. And yep. uh, maybe you should have factored in more time for potential illness. And have then you, you have to tell the client you can't deliver on time and then you don't get paid. Have you ever had like a bad example of that where the client hasn't been happy with you and how you've yeah, handled that? Definitely. Uh, early in my career, not communicating soon enough, not keeping them in the loop. And uh, yeah, just made me look really unprofessional. Obviously, the client was extremely disappointed. So I learned a lot from that. Um, learning too that it's better to admit when you're wrong than trying to like cover it up and uh, yeah just being upfront and honest in a manner that you know not emailing people necessarily getting on the phone actually talking it through with them and explaining what's happened Uh, and two just misunderstanding instructions I think that's a common one particularly for young professionals we think we know it all we're all shiny and fresh out of our business degree or whatever else we've been up to Um, you know maybe we've had a successful startup early on and we move on to the next big project and think we know it all and we don't listen and then we make mistakes so yeah I think that's a big one I think it's really good I'll share a story of where um the only time I've fired a client um again I think this relates back to professionalism um yeah, working with a client, and I thought, and I still believe that I did communicate very clearly how I work. So again, unfortunately, she thought I was a bit madman style that I was going to go away and create this whole kind of um, vision of her business, who she was, what she stood for, what she was trying to achieve. She had been in business for twenty plus years, so you know, um, an incredible woman with an incredible background in um, her profession, and unfortunately she wasn't happy with the work they had done because she said that she could have written a lot of it herself. The problem was that I was doing a lot of templates, a lot of questionnaires, a lot of interviews, and she was communicating with me, sharing her story, and I was taking that and putting it into the right format, etc. And no matter how hard I tried to explain, um, talk about how I want to work, she just wasn't happy. And so, yeah, I had to let her go and then she was quite aggressive in an email and again you know we've talked about this um you know in other pods I had to then come back to kind of my goals empathy which we've talked a lot about and see it from her point of view your boundaries yeah it would have been very disappointing um for her it was certainly disappointing for me and just had to let it go and Mm. I think that's again important to talk about in terms of professionalism the way that we communicate, the words we use, the language uh, we use, our attitude, because I actually have a few templates um, that I've used for when I've been unwell. I think 
you know, I suffer from migraines and obviously you have family issues that come up from time to time. And I think I've had to push back on a deadline uh, three times in nearly eight years. And each time I've just been straight up, no wishy-washy stuff at the start, um, you know, of the phone call or email, I've literally said, I will not be able to meet your deadline today, tomorrow, etc. I'm unwell. And I often say lines around, you know, like I could keep going, but I respect you, my work and the quality um, that I want to deliver, I can't, I can't meet that at this stage. Will you allow me to take a few extra days to, you know, get well, get my shit together? Um, and you know what? Every time within, you know, five minutes of me sending the email, if it's an email or a conversation, every person has said, yes, yeah. take as much time as you need. Because I was upfront, I was honest, and I brought it back to what we were trying to achieve. So again, I think, you know, that's a part of being professional. It's about saying, you know, doing what you're saying, you know, you're going to do to actually act professional, not just look professional. So not have a beautiful website, you know, beautiful contact form, but then never actually respond to anyone or communicate with anyone. Yeah, that's it. Again, we're coming back to a really strong belief that both Rachel and I share, which is about delivering value for our clients. And if you're not able to do that, For us, that's not professional. So that's like the high level kind of way we're looking at professionalism. We are unfortunately impacted by societal norms and cultural norms. And unfortunately, as women, I think, you know, we cop it at the moment. We are expected to look a certain way. And we touched on that earlier in the podcast. But Rach, you've also worked overseas quite extensively. And do you want to talk to us a little bit some of the cultural differences that you've noticed with professionalism? Sure. I mean, I've worked a lot in Asia, um, in the UK and traveled quite extensively and something that I realized, you know, straight away when I was living in Bangladesh is that I would rock up and want to get shit done. And so, you know, I was like, yep, cool meeting. This is what we're going to do. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we'd have to actually talk about um, family for 20 minutes. And it was all about community and establishing those trust and relationships that way. And it was very, very um, unprofessional of me to skip that part. I learned pretty quickly when I've got some weird looks and colleague pulled me aside afterwards. So then I started investing in those kind of relationships in making sure I met the professional standards expected um, in that, uh, you know, in that country and particularly about being a woman in that country was uh to be honest quite hard for me so as a white woman i was able to speak more um and i was able to have more of an opinion i could disagree um with male members of management but my um local female counterparts were not and i struggled with that a lot so I could be quite bold, disagreeable, push back on deadlines, and they couldn't. So in those professional settings, they were expected to just do kind of what they were told. And I think some of these things do translate a little bit back into, you know, here in Australia, as an example, or in the UK, where this belief, particularly as women, is to make ourselves smaller, to be more agreeable, to be, you know, people pleaser, and that the client is always right, which is not the case so we can find ourselves maybe converting back to some of the stereotypes that we've experienced in an office space which is to be honest why most of us left and without realizing it we convert back to those yeah definitely just makes me sad (laughs) to be honest yeah and look 
Rachel's saying, okay, so I had certain beliefs and values. I went over to a different place and I had to compromise those. And that was the reality of the situation. So although we're saying, look, you know, you want to have your own structure and your own ethical code, sometimes, unfortunately, you're still going to have to compromise that in order to do the work that you want to do and deliver the value that you want to deliver. However, if you're not prepared to compromise that, cool, acknowledge that and take action. So if that's not the right workplace for you, if that's not the right client for you, then that's fine. But you've just got to deal with the consequences of that and be prepared for that and and be realistic about that, I guess. That might mean leaving a job. That might mean sacking a client. Definitely. And I mean, when I've worked with one client, it was a not-for-profit and this exact thing came up. They wanted me to share particular content that in my personal opinion, and I would argue the industry as well, would not see um, in a great light. So as an example, um, wanting to share photos of um, children um, within a country in Africa, I'm not going to be too specific here, um, and showing them in a really bad light. Like I was like, no, they have autonomy. We should be respecting them. They're not dependent on white people to save them. So we call that the white saviour complex. And yeah, they kept on pushing and pushing. And I actually um, was working at the office and stood up, pushed my chair back and said, I refuse to post this. If you choose to post it, you can, but it's on you, not me. And I often share this story um, because people are like, whoa, that's bold. But I felt so strongly and it comes Mm. back to that professional opinion you know professionalism of myself my industry and also I think I have a duty to my clients and the people I interview and the people I work with which again we've talked about that so those it just rang so many alarm bells and I think you know it's hard running a business to to do that because you're sort of afraid that people will say bad things about you that you won't get more money etc but you know I was fine they respected that I didn't work with them again but a lot of the people within the organization applauded me and I did end up actually getting work through some of the employees that left later in other not-for-profit situations so you know obviously it's not going to always turn out that way but like Sophia was saying you know sometimes you have to make these decisions how much do you care about your professional Um, you know practice and the way that people view you because like with any branding once you ruin that reputation it is so hard to get back so hard yeah because arguably in that situation people would argue well actually Rachel that was really unprofessional to not do what your employer wanted like because they have a different set of beliefs and values exactly but for you and your personal belief structure that was just not okay so you had to make a stand so yeah professionalism is complex guys <laughs> i think it's so complex. hard it's really hard and you know for women it's changing when i first started working in an office i really wanted to express my individuality i wanted to wear lots of bright colors and weird kind of fashion like it was still professional for, for my personal compass which meant for me personally not having my tits out too much not having too much leg showing comfortable easy to work in so that was just my personal thing but I ended up getting teased by my work colleagues about the way I was dressing Uh, I was actually yeah I won't go into it too much but it was pretty upsetting and I ended up inadvertently and unconsciously completely toning down the way I dressed and aligning to what I felt was uh, the same as everyone else and so in that instance that was just like boring black navy suits white shirt plain flat shoes just fit in yeah that makes me really sad hearing that like 
I feel like I want to go back to that situation and like flip them all off for you. Like, yeah. That makes me really uncomfortable that we're willing to push people into a certain box so we feel better because let's be honest that's what in my opinion that's what was happening there yeah we want to feel like our choices our beliefs our values what we choose to do how we spend our time is validated and accepted by all and therefore when people pose different ideas or make us question our own internal beliefs and motivations we can either accept that you know feel discomfort ourselves and work through it or we can push the discomfort back to others and I feel that that's what was happening with you there and makes me a bit sad yeah I mean I was making some fairly questionable fashion choices but hey it was me and what I liked and uh, yeah I ended up changing that I also remember reading about that women who wore more masculine style clothing were more likely to get promoted and that definitely impacted the way I dressed as well so I became quite masculine and I remember actually getting a bit of shit for people thinking I was like a butch lesbian, um, which is offensive on so many levels to so, so many. many people. Um, but yeah, that was also going on. And so that was also impacted uh, the way that I dressed in that office landscape. So transitioning out of that into small business now, I think I'm only just kind of figuring out how I want to show up and be seen from a visual perspective and be recognized as a professional. And yeah, it's been really hard for me. I had some weird beliefs there that I've had, I'm still working through. What about emotions? Because as you may not tell, I'm quite emotional and quite like up front and blunt. And I just say whatever I think. And I have actually, to be honest, have to work on that. Um, I didn't always express myself in the best way. Like I, looking back at my entire life, I don't ever think I was in the wrong but perhaps the way that I express myself you know the words I use the body language might have not been uh appropriate and I remember it it budding like a lot budding a lot of heads with people from high level management to like you know just really low level just peers etc just people often in the workplace either loved me or hated me for whatever reason and I think just because you know like I was saying then like I didn't often take people's discomfort on board I was just like oh thanks and I actually love feedback so people would be like yelling at me and then I'd turn around and be like thanks I'm, I'm gonna take that on board that's really good and I'd be like what like don't you want to argue back or whatever and so you know a few times I actually got the whole emotive card thrown at me which was not true so one specific example I had a manager I thought his emotional intelligence was like a zero um here's me 22 just moved over to London my boss left three months later and here I was managing five websites um their magazines advertising budgets everything and a 22 year old like what the I was crying every day I had no idea what I was doing and you know I used to always have to get these high level executives to do shit and they didn't want to do it and you know I'd put smiley faces I'd call them up I'd be as agreeable and pleasable you know as I could and one day he's like oh Rachel your emails are just you know the too blunt the too straight to the point you know you can't be saying that you need to be more agreeable and I just lost my shit at him I was like how much more agreeable etc have to be and then he played maybe appropriately the emotion card like stop being emotional Rachel just calm down Mm. like you know take it easy like you know take some feedback on board and I just seem to get that quite a bit. So oh. what are your experiences with that? I want to be me and I want to be able to express myself. On the daily. Not so much now. 
Uh, but I definitely, in that more traditional office landscape, got feedback on my email etiquette that I was too blunt and to the point and that, you know, I was trying to hold leaders accountable um, and get, you know, I might email them and say, well, when can I expect this by what date? And they're like, no, you can't talk to your leader like that. You know, it's up to them. You know, you have like, to be what? nice and use all these pleasant pleasantries and don't be efficient in the way that you're communicating. You have to suck ass basically and be really respectful of your leadership team. For me, that wasn't being respectful. That's not what respect to me looks like. So I was very confusing time. The emotive card definitely got thrown at me. Uh, you know, I was at the point where I was just so frustrated and lost that, yeah, I would run to the toilets and have a cry. I wouldn't cry at my desk. You know, that wasn't allowed. That's not okay. You're weak and, you know, you're not going to get that promotion if they see you crying at your desks. desk. Uh, yeah, shitty times and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, men and women, all of us. doesn't matter how you identify yourself when you have these emotions and you're not allowed to deal with them in public and you have to hide and suppress it it's really unhealthy it's really hard it's really confusing yeah definitely and you know recently I was quite ill I had walking pneumonia and I had to tell some clients that you know things are going to take longer and I've got better at that so you know like I said I've got my system I send it out but this time I actually decided to add some emotion into it before I'd kept it quite, you know, like I've got mm. a migraine, but I decided to be honest and, you know, I'm working with a lot of female clients and, and admittedly they are really honest with me and I'm, you know, we share my thoughts and feelings, but I decided to put that in, not because I wanted a sob story, but because I thought it was actually important to talk about how sick I was and how all the things I was going to do to fix it. Again, trying to, um, you know, show my clients that you can do these things and still be professional. So, you know, I was honest. I was like, look, um, the medication I'm taking is giving me stomach aches and insomnia. I have uh, eczema around my eyes. You know, like I can't even show up to like chat to you because a few calls and stuff, you know, normally I would still take them. It was only an hour, but I was like, I can't even show up like physically let alone on um you know the interwebs and it was amazing like they wrote back and they were so you know like just don't worry about it and kind of in a sense encouraged me to show some of that emotion some of that feeling and like I said it wasn't to get sob stories because I wanted to actually paint a picture um because the time that I was asking wasn't a couple of days guys it was um three weeks that I needed to yeah. bump my clients. And I thought, again, if we go back to f- professionalism, ethics, values, I'm always very honest, um, self-aware, respect. And I saw that, that I needed to put that in there to show why I needed to take the time and how I'd really considered why I was taking the time off, that it wasn't either a flippant choice or I wasn't willing to push myself through and again deliver something that wasn't the standard. Because if I'd kept going, I reckon I would have yeah fallen over literally yeah but I just couldn't do it well I mean we've kind of talked about that being emotional is a bad thing but that's someone decided that a long time ago and I'm betting it was a dude in a suit somewhere oh yeah (laughs) I'm joking we know that there's like years and years of culture and society and blah 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 but emotion what's to say isn't a good thing and I think that's something that women often bring to the table is our emotional intelligence and that we pick up maybe things that other people don't. What's to say that having that in business isn't actually a fantastic thing? Um, we often think with our gut. We think with our, we're emotionally driven creatures, men and women, of course, all of us. So framing that in a more positive light, I actually think that it's really refreshing to see people expressing themselves. When maybe it's not helpful is when it's a complete distraction from our ideas we're trying to communicate. 
But then again, we are only human. Thoughts, Rach, on, on how it can be more positive. I think expressing your emotions and being self-aware is really important. So a lot of the time when I work with my clients, uh, you know, showing up and talking about themselves, God, we know how hard that is, um, expressing themselves, having like visual representations, those words, um, thinking really about what they're trying to achieve in their business triggers a lot of people, you know, like if we go back to my purpose, like my purpose is, it makes me just, you know, not comfortable and is triggering. And for a lot of women, I'm finding it's the same thing. And so I encourage them to sit with that discomfort and those emotions. And I try and guide them through that. And to be honest, I get, I get really frustrated sometimes. I'm going to be honest here with my clients because, um, I don't know, they're human and they need to take time to process these things. So sometimes I'm like, I just want to write a copy. I'm so, like, engaged and excited right now. And they're like, you know what, I need a week yeah. to digest this. And, you know, I have to put the brakes on. And I totally, I do respect that. I think, again, I want them to be able to see what I do and see the results of our work and feel really empowered and inspired and to have that confidence and clarity. But for them to get there, it sometimes takes time. And again, it takes emotional intelligence for them and a lot of trust for them to come back to me and say, Rach, I need time to work out X or I need time to process this. And I think again that's a really positive way to show emotion because i think a lot of us are probably taught to do the opposite like oh i'm so busy like i've just got client work or my kid's sick and to push that emotion to push showing up onto someone else and make excuses as opposed to just saying hey this is who i am you know this is what i need yeah yeah oh it's a big one i think we should touch on just quickly professionalism in this online world that we're in at the moment um everything is broadcast everyone can see everything how do you align how you see professionalism online rachel i think it's pretty much everything that we've discussed i want to be uh visually representative so you know i'll often post photos uh of me and you know my trackies um i don't feel the need to have you know foundation on to cover my uh freckles mascara all of that kind of stuff i mean i do have professional shots and i love them and i use them on occasion but sometimes i actually want people to see me as me you know i do all of that online i make sure that again like i've talked about my word choice being quite accessible inclusive explaining terms um, having a sense of community, asking for feedback, um, you know, asking for questions. Like the other day, an amazing um, copywriter found a mistake in my Insta bio that I'd smashed out in the car, which I probably shouldn't have. Amazing. Like I was like, thank you so much. That is amazing community. That is being professional. And I do the same thing, you know, like taking care of each other. Yeah. Um, but how you took that feedback too. I've heard a few people recently whinge about getting negative feedback or feedback that they perceive as harsh uh they perceive as targeted at them i'm sorry guys you're gonna have to suck it up that that is what happens particularly in the online space i mean i'm of course like if it's offensive like or uncalled for yeah yeah like trolling that's a total different thing but you know if someone's tried to give you feedback and they're they're coming from a place of genuine they've actually checked out your work and they've invested in that then i actually think part of being professional is is acknowledging that you don't have to agree with it 
You don't even have to do anything about it. But when I see people then go on in a public place and then say, oh, I got this feedback and I don't like it and people are so mean, I'm sorry, that reflects so badly on you. Please do not do that. Yeah, so bad and professionally it's bad too. I mean, the person sent me a DM, which was lovely, like didn't go you know, on any public yeah. forum. Yeah. And you know, I've talked about in other pods too, um, getting negative feedback and how I've turned that around. So I think that's about being professional. And then I also... Um, double check things I always say is this good for me is this good for my community is this good for the world my profession yeah if I'm saying anything controversial or different or thought-provoking etc and I always did that in my professional like nine-to-five job and I do that now and I teach my students that and I think that's a really three simple questions that are really good that you can ask yourself doesn't have to be complex but I mean if at any point you're like well actually this yeah like you said you know sharing these horrible feedback might actually be bad for my profession or make my community feel like we can't support each other and we're just being you know bitches. and give genuine feedback because yeah like I'm all for supporting other women but sometimes that becomes very uh, vanilla like it's good to debate and question each other and you will hear Rachel and I disagree on this podcast we disagree all the time on stuff you know, it's okay to disagree. That's actually how we learn and grow and 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 bring ourselves up and bring women up in business. Definitely. And support each other. It's not about being perfectly agreeable and like, yeah, babe, awesome, all the time. Like, it's not yeah, about that. fabulous. You're amazing. Love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And what about you? Like, what are your, like, go-to things to make sure that you're turning up in a good way online? Yeah, look, trying to double-check stuff. I, mistakes do slip through. I'm lucky, actually, my housemate is the grammar Nazi and, like, checks all my posts for me. Shout out to Nicole. She's a ledge. Uh, and I don't always appreciate her feedback, <laughs> but I need it. I need someone to double check my work sometimes and she kindly does it for freebies. So <laughs> I'm not going to be getting rid of that anytime soon. But yeah, look, sleeping on stuff too. If I feel like I'm a bit emotional about something and it's clouding my judgment about what is like those questions you were just talking about, like, is it okay for me, for my brand, for the profession, for my community? Will I still be proud about this in 10, 20 years' time? That is another really good test for me. If I'm concerned, I will sleep on it. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, and I will revisit it and go, okay, do I still feel this way? And I will nine times out of ten, I don't, and I don't post that or I don't put that out into the world. Yeah. That's really I, I try funny. not to be yeah, too reactionary, I guess, if it's not appropriate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good tip. And I also say um, to my clients, you know, would you want your nan to see this? Because no one wants to offend their nan. Yeah. Like, you know, if my nan had seen me go on and like literally rip other people down or say something really disrespectful, she'd be like, Rachel, why? Yeah. Are we still doing that naked photo shoot in the bath with uh, dollar dollar bills, yo? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm totally, it's in my diary. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's another... Um, one. So I guess, you know, overall what we've covered today in the pod is like huge. But just to recap, professionalism isn't just, you know, the way you dress and talk. It's also values. It's also your systems, um, you know, branding, visual representation. It's about training, maintaining your skills. It's also about respecting your clients, thinking about the, what's best for your community, you know, accountability for the greater good and your industry and 
I think, you know, hopefully by now, you're starting to think about how you can be professional yourself, you know, how you can show up in a way that feels right to you, that doesn't necessarily have to conform, but we all know that we have to conform to a certain degree and that is okay, but figuring out what you're willing to be flexible on, so, you know, you can flip your chair, desk like I do, or maybe, you know, you realise you have to turn up in a suit, unfortunately, because that's what's expected and that's how you can get the work done how you can actually help your clients so whatever it looks like for you take some time and like with everything else we've been saying you know go back to your purpose to your values think about you know where you find and have pressure and maybe um yeah decide to change a few things in your business if that feels good for you yeah and reach out to your community too so particularly you know if you're for a creative for example and maybe you don't have like a clear clear standards about how you should be working see what other people are doing uh you don't have to reinvent the wheel and then you can adjust it for what works for you